Hello everyone and welcome to another jam-packed episode of Nintendo Everything Refresh, the weekly show where we walk you through everything new and exciting that's been going on in the world of Nintendo, and boy oh boy is there a lot going on in the world of Nintendo right now. I'm your host Nick Serpa, joined today by the wonderful Louise Estrella. Hello everyone, always awesome to be back here again. Yes, great to have you back Louise, and we've also got the spectacular Nicholas Shade joining us. Hello! Very happy to be here this week. Yes, yes. We were talking before the show about some of the things we're excited about, and um, yeah, there's a lot to get into. So this week's episode is going to be a little bit different, obviously, as I'm sure all of you are most likely aware. We had a Nintendo Direct this past week, and it was a big one. So big that we will probably not be talking about very much else this week, just because there's so much to unpack and, and get excited for. Um, so yeah, there was some other news that happened this week, but like, come on, does it, does anything else really even matter at this point? Let's be real. <laughs> no, if there's, if there's really big stuff, we'll probably talk about it next week. But, um, but yeah, this Nintendo Direct, I think was, it definitely had something for everyone. There were a lot of surprises. Um, not, you know, the first party stuff that they showed off, um, I think it was a lot of things that folks have been asking for for a while, and so to finally see some of that come to fruition was very exciting. Um, so we're going to start off just by s talking about the first party announcements that we had in this N Nintendo Direct. And in terms of like new, like brand new games, like s brand new Nintendo developed stuff that we've never seen before, there really wasn't much. Most of what we saw in this Direct was stuff that... Nintendo has already talked about, at least in, in some capacity in the past. But the big new announcement, I think, is so exciting. It was Metroid Prime Remastered. <laughs> uh, the long-rumored, you know, return of, to 3D Metroid that folks were wondering, oh, is it going to be a remaster? Is it going to be the whole trilogy? Well, now we know it is uh, just a remaster of the first game. Uh, but not only is it a freaking amazing remaster, if I may say so myself. Um, they shadow dropped it, <laughs> so you can just go <laughs> buy it and play it right now. It's crazy. Yeah, it's super exciting. It's um, it's cathartic to finally see it come to fruition after it being rumored for so long. <laughs> yeah. We no longer have to wait. Although now I guess all the rumors are just going to shift to when are we getting Prime Two and Prime Three. So. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it, it was always, you know, yeah, one way or the other. It was either the rumor was we're going to get a remaster of the first game or we're getting the whole trilogy. And yeah. I think, you know, it's... I, I don't want to be like... <laughs> like, I know we literally just got this game, so it feels weird to already be, like, thinking about Metroid Prime 2 and 3, but I'm sure some people are because mm -hmm. this remaster... Um, I, I, we'll talk more about it towards the end of the show, but it's really an impressive... Uh, remaster. They've done quite a bit, I think more than folks were expecting. It's not just a simple up-res, you know, making the game look sharper, although it certainly has that. Um, uh, I think but... uh, coming from Skyward Swords HD, I think a lot of people are impressed that this time that they actually put a lot of effort in the graphics department. I think that's one of the reasons why people are so impressed. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of yeah, ways, no it's kidding. more a remake than a remaster. <laughs> Like they overhaul, they overhaul the lighting engine, the texture work so much yeah. that it feels more like a remake. I think it's pretty similar to what they did with the Xenoblade Definitive Edition, where they not mm -hmm. only changed textures, but a lot of the assets were also changed. 
Yeah. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and on top of that, you know, they were very excited in the trailer to advertise that there are multiple new ways to, you know, pick your favorite control scheme. So if you want, you can use something that kind of resembles the original GameCube controls. Or, you know, the thing that I was initially excited about is they're bringing back the pointer controls from the Metroid Prime mm -hmm. trilogy. Yeah. Um, which work pretty well in docked mode. Um, the handheld mode, I think it's a little bit finicky, but they also have, for the first time ever, a traditional dual stick controller setup. So if you want to play it like, you know, every other first person shooter, you can do that now. Um, they also so, even yeah, have a colorblind option in the settings for their, uh, I think it's for the visors and the enemies. Yeah, I saw where, that. Yeah, which is like super cool. Yeah, they've, they've definitely tried to add in features that have become more commonplace. I also saw something that I, and you know, here in North America, there were different versions of Metroid Prime over the years. And I guess in the European and Japanese versions, they added in uh, narration to certain cutscenes. Yeah. Um, like a very dramatic, um, <laughs> I don't really know how to describe it, it was just a very dramatic like voiceover. It sounds like you're watching like a old sci-fi movie in a way. And, um, and so now you can, if you want that on, you can do it regardless of where you're living in the world. Um, so yeah, yeah, it really it, seems it, like they nice tried to, to have the think of everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the other thing that's notable about this, not only is the fact that they just shadow dropped it, which Nintendo never does, um, but that it's a $40 game. Yep. Which is also that's something nice. that Nintendo not usually does. <laughs> <laughs> Not, not usually, yeah. Um, yeah. They'll sell yeah, Mario the Strikers last... at 60, but Metroid Prime at 40, because that makes sense. <laughs> right. I remember when they released the WarioWare for Switch, that was 50. So it does mm -hmm. seem like they're experimenting a little bit more in recent years. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think yeah, that, you know, that brought like this game into impulse buy territory. <laughs> Yeah, I like the experiments they've been doing with pricing structure, uh, and we can talk more about that when it gets to, when we get to Tears of the Kingdom. But yes. I like the idea of them starting to price games more individually rather than giving everything just a flat sixty. Yeah, I, it makes sense. Um, I mean, not that I don't think that like Metroid Prime Remastered could maybe be worth it. I mean, clearly there's a lot of money that was spent on making mm -hmm. this game as good as it is, but. Yeah, I mean, the lower price tag combined with just releasing it the day of the Direct, I think those two things in combination are probably got a lot of people to pick it up who, you know, for some folks this might be their first Metroid Prime game. And I think this was part of their strategy to kind of maybe bring in some new players. Yeah, and I, I think at the end of the day this shows that Nintendo usually... Uh, a lot of a lot of the time, I think we ass we assume that those companies price their products by how much money they spent uh, making the game, how much budget they spent. But I don't think Nintendo actually works like that. I think they they just see how much value the the franchise, the brand uh, actually has. Like for example, Zelda is definitely a premium product for for mm -hmm. Nintendo. Like Skyward Sword ATD was a very uh, a very simple remaster, but it was priced at a full $6 price. And now we have Metroid Prime, which we know is a series that uh, historically has not sold a lot and needs a, a, a more friendly price tag to, to reach better sales. So they, they, they have gone now with $40, which I, which I think is great. Yep. Yeah. yeah. One no, last thing I, totally I want agree. to mention 
uh, is regarding the development of the game, and I guess also this leads into what's going to happen with Prime 2 and Prime 3. Because um, as it happens, the, some of the rumors that came out about the game seem to be true because they all line up with what we've seen. Uh, for, rumors from like October 2021. But basically, those same rumors mentioned that uh, originally Retro was working on remastering all three of the Metroid Prime games. Uh, when Bandai Namco was starting to have issues with development, they put, I think it was Retro's uh, programming team to basically help them, while the art directing team kept working on Prime Remastered. And Nintendo decided, you know what, they're doing such a good job with both of these projects separately, let's just put the entirety of Retro on Prime 4. Uh, so that's when development for Prime 4 restarted. And Prime 1 was left to be finished by other third-party studios, which I think we've seen pop up in the credits. I know Iron Galaxy was one of them. Uh, yeah, there's quite and the a idea few would be, that were involved. Yeah, and the idea would be that uh, Prime 2 and Prime 3 would be remastered using Prime 1 as a template by those other uh, third-party porting studios. Hmm. Yeah, that's all interesting. It's I could see that happening. I mean, it does kind of make sense. I think a lot of folks were concerned when they saw over the past few years, Retro Studios was hiring for some very senior positions. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that had some folks worried, like, oh, shoot, is Metroid Prime 4 still at, like in such an early stage of development where they're still hiring all these key people? But yeah, now some folks are theorizing, okay, well, now that we know this exists and that Retro was involved, maybe they were moving some folks around to work yep. on this game, and so they were bringing on some extra staff. Yep. So... It still doesn't really give us like a firm indication of where exactly Prime Four is in <laughs> development, but you know the fact that they're putting out this game now kind of leads me to believe that this is going to be part of their overall ramp up to Prime Four, mm. which gives me hope. <laughs> yeah, Just watch I mean, Prime Four be the holiday release. <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> I mean, right. oh my god! Being be, be honest with you guys, if Prime Four comes out looking as good as this remaster, I'm perfectly fine. I think yeah. it's. It, it, yeah. I, I I didn't play the game yet, but just looking at gameplay, it just feels that one of the uh, one of the more beautiful uh, Switch games, like those more realistic games, right? Because I was yeah. a little bit worried that uh, Metroid Prime Four is a little bit too realistic for the Switch, if it will be able to keep 60 FPS. But looking at how this remaster looks, I think that's that's the perfect base for a, a Metroid Prime Four. Yeah, Visually and Retro speaking. worked on Retro worked on this Prime remaster, so there's no real reason not to think that yeah. they'll keep that consistency and have Prime Four follow like a similar style. Right, right, yeah. And if this is you know, yeah, this is just a, a remaster, and they're putting this much work into the textures, and you know, like they've really upgraded all the models, the lighting. It really looks stunning, um, especially in handheld mode. Oh my gosh, like seeing a game. <laughs> that looks that like sharp and alive on such a small screen is incredible. Um, but yeah, if they're just using this as like the bones for Metroid Prime 4, I think that game could be for something very exciting. Yeah. Well, um, as much as I could talk about this game, <laughs> probably for an entire <laughs> episode of the podcast, uh, we're about like 3% of the way through the direct, so we should <laughs> probably move on to some other stuff. Um, the other, I think, really big surprise that a lot of folks were hoping for, but not everyone really thought we would see, is that we finally got confirmation that Switch Online is getting Game Boy games and Game Boy Advance games, uh, the latter through the expansion pass. Um, and it came out also the same day as the Direct. So, uh, yeah, if you're a Switch Online member, you can now go and you can play Game Boy 
there's some Game Boy Color games and also Game Boy Advance games. Um, yeah. yeah, this is you know, a crazy. great thing to see. It's crazy that it's taking this long for us to start touching the heels of what the virtual console used to be. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah, it's it's still yeah. Well, and you know, speaking of that, after the direct, one of the things that Nintendo said was that they they didn't have they currently don't have a set schedule for when <laughs> they are going to be releasing more Game Boy games. Like just just that insane. doesn't give me a lot of whatever they of, feel like, like they're going yeah. to release. It's such an easy slam dunk of like bam every month. Here's like two or three Game Boy Advance games for the next year or so. Like here's a guaranteed right. regular supply. It would be so easy for them to just say that or at least give us a schedule to get people excited and interested. But you know Nintendo's gonna yeah. Nintendo and so. like there's <laughs> the Ugh. I think the the library for the the GBA in particular mm -hmm. is like gigantic. I think there's a lot of stuff that they can put here, but the stuff that they show that is already available and the stuff that they show that they are going to put in the future, I, I think it is still feel like a very slim uh, library. Of course, they're going to deliver more, but it just makes me feel like, when are we going to receive all those games? Like 2026, 2027, we are going to still be receiving GBA mm -hmm. games. So that's mm -hmm. a little worrying. But aside from that, I think that was probably my favorite announcement because there's tons of GBA games that I never played, like Minish Cap, for example, that I'm super excited to play for the first time right now. So I was eager, eagerly waiting to finally have GBA on the on the Switch to, to play a lot of these games. Mm -hmm. Side yeah, note, can we no, talk it... about how odd it is that uh, we have Super Mario Land 2 on the Game Boy, but not Super Mario Land, like the first one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such an odd decision. They, well, but... they do that a, a couple times. Like, they're bringing over Wario Land 3, but then yeah. not the first two. Um, Super Mario Advance 4. Well, I, I'm sure there's a reason for why they're doing it. I know they can't... I mean, the, the I want to give them the benefit of the, doubt, of the doubt and say they can't bring over everything, but they kind of did in the past on the Wii U, so, like, they could. <laughs> yeah. It It's a weird starting point, for sure. Yeah. Okay. But there are some Anyways, good games this in is here. Still great, like, there were some surprises. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was, um, I was... I'm sure a lot of folks were happy to see that uh, for the Game Boy, they'll be bringing... Uh, Pokemon the card game. Yes. Um, yeah. So you know. Yes, it's so good. I think that, was, that was one thing that a lot of folks were like, "Oh, when the 3DS dies, there's not really going to be a great way to play this game." And you know, here you go. Mm -hmm. that, so yeah, that's, that's coming. Nice. Um, another, I think, out of left field one was Kuru Kuru Kurin, which is not a game I'm super familiar with, but I think it is. Nintendo is it a Nintendo IP? Do you guys know? I've never heard about question. it. <laughs> yeah, the I, I, I saw that in the direct, and I had no idea what it was. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's not a Nintendo developed game, but it is it is a Nintendo published game, and it's oh. a it's a puzzle video game. And I don't remember where I first heard of it, but I remember hearing it was very good, and so I was very surprised to see it in as one of their games. Um, nice, I'll probably give it a try. Yeah. Honestly, this is yeah. probably what's going to get me to get the expansion pass. I'm really grateful that the Game Boy games are just part of the default membership. That makes sense, and I'm glad they didn't. Mm -hmm. yeah. They didn't just push their luck trying to put that into the expansion pass. I, 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 think... I definitely see more value on the expansion pack right now. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like The GBA games, that's a huge thing. Like, N64 is nice and all, but I'm far more interested in the 
GBA library personally. Man, like, uh, I mean, talking about the games, uh, Golden Sun, I think will become yes. the future, which is another game that I oh really wanted yeah. to play. And we also had Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, which is another yeah. great big J JRPG. And from what Fire I heard... Emblem? Yeah, mm -hmm. Fire Emblem. Um, but about Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, if I'm not mistaken, there was like an adapter for the GameCube where you could play this game with uh, Rumble. And apparently the Nintendo yes. Switch Online emulates that. So you can yep. play the game with Rumble. That's just great oh, emulation. Really? And I really like to see Nintendo putting the efforts in that department. Yeah, plus oh, we wow. have stuff like... Yeah, all the multiplayer Game Boy Advance games, which, you know, yeah. back in the day would have been a pain to have hooked up. Now you can do stuff like Kirby and the Amazing Mirror for people, like no real issue, uh, which is not something that I think many people would have been able to experience. True. Yeah, I have a very uh, vivid childhood memory of going over to my friend's house and hooking up our Game Boy Advances with a Game Boy Link cable so we could play Mario Kart Super Circuit together. And uh, yeah, you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that, that, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, just uh, talking about. Whoa, there's just that. It's raining here, so <laughs> just a big thunder. I don't know if you guys heard. Uh, but talking about the games, it was for uh, dramatic effect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talking about the elephants in the room, do you guys think we are going to see Pokemon here? Mm, I I was talking about this with a friend, and I don't. Pokemon is so bizarre. They don't like porting their games over. The only time we've had the mainline games ported over were on the 3DS, and it was for a premium, where they cost more than the regular Game Boy games. So I don't know. I feel like if they did come over, it would be because Pokemon wanted to make more money, and so they would release them separately. Like yeah, what they, they like did money. with uh, Fire Emblem. <laughs> Yeah, like a Pokemon Legacy collection or something like that. No, no, they would sell all of them individually for like six bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they point. would probably <laughs> had to add the functionality to to um, uh, to transfer the Pokemon from this game. So I think right. that some work would probably had to be done. Yeah, in that's the other games. thing. They, it would mm. have to have extra development effort if they wanted to link to it, which they probably would. So I don't think they would just put that on the service. They would tie it to something else and it would cost extra it'd be like fire emblem uh shadow dragon i think it was where there were ex there was extra translation work that went into it and so they sold it separately rather than putting it just on the uh the switch online i see the other question I which I is mean, something I, I that i think they might i think they might just put them in the service eventually because they put in you know they announced yeah. uh, the pokemon stadium games for n64 and those really? had a feature where you could transfer in pokemon but they just said it just didn't work yeah. so i could see them putting them in i mean they've always played faster and looser with the spin-offs though like the spin-offs it doesn't seem like they've had True. any problems re-releasing it's the mainline games that they've just held in like an iron grip <laughs> yeah. yeah well they'd rather also, you go buy uh, scarlet violet so <laughs> <laughs> have we thought about the possibility of Mother 3? Oh! It's, it's within the realm of possibility. Exactly. We're a step closer. Yeah. I wouldn't... I mean, yeah. theoretically, I'd imagine at some point it's probably going to come to the Japanese part of the service, right? Mm -hmm. And so oh, theoretically, true, true. if you really wanted to, you could probably play it that way, but you just won't have any English, so that still doesn't really make it accessible <laughs> to a lot of folks. But yeah. we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Nintendo surprised a lot of folks when they released uh, Earthbound Beginnings on the Wii U. So it's not impossible. 
I mean, I, I think Mother, Mother Tree is probably the one that would be sold separately. Because, yes. again, they would have to translate everything. So they would do something really, uh, similar to what they did with Earthbound on the Wii U. Where they announced, like, is this big new game. Yeah. And the thing is, like, at least they have a working emulator for it now. Because they can just probably repurpose mm-hmm. yeah. the emulator they're using for NSO and use that to release an individual title. True. Yeah. Well, uh, Mother 3 came out in 2006, so hey, maybe when we get to 2026 for the 20th anniversary, maybe we'll get lucky. <laughs> that's the moment. <laughs> that's that's about where I'm at in optimism. I- I'm laughing, game. but that's very possible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, those were, those were, I think, the big new things from Nintendo, but they obviously showed off a lot more. Um, they had a lot of trailers that gave updates on some games that they've previously announced in the past. What they started off the show with was a pretty dense trailer for Pikmin 4, uh, which now has a release date, excitingly, for July 21st, uh, which is great, because I think some folks were a little bit worried it was going to get delayed. And um, yeah, it was a great trailer. I, I personally, you know, I've never really played Pikmin, but I really was fascinated seeing how this like the camera angle is totally different like a lot of people yeah. suspected it looks like it's gonna play very similarly in a lot of ways but it just it looks so different i don't know it's it's exciting it made me I want love... to go and play some of the older games and like wow this looks like it could be something special yeah i l- really love the new camera angle they're using because it really makes it feel like you are tiny and everything is towering over you Yes. Which is kind of what Pikmin is. <laughs> and this just emphasizes that further. And the fact that you can actually see the horizon is just amazing because it gives a totally different perspective to the world. Like, you feel like you are in this garden actually exploring and you are very, very small. So the game just looks very, very nice. Uh, I really like, recommend you playing the past games, Nick, because I think all Pikmin games are really, really amazing. And I didn't expect that just seeing the trailers because I think if you, if you are not familiar with the series, you don't actually get what is fun about it but then when you play and you get into all the micromanagement all the the stress of keeping your pick me alive <laughs> in the time and yeah. everything i think it's just a, a really really great and original concept so after three games that are relatively similar i'm happy to see that pick me four is finally uh, trying to change and shake up the formula a little bit uh, I can't say 100%, but I feel that this game will be a little more focused on the adventure aspects, on the action, instead of just the the, strat- the, st- the strategic part, the management part. Because with the, the new dog that you can mount, it gives me the impression that we have a lot of more oh my God, action that dog. here. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the new camera angle just feels like you are in a, in a classic adventure game. So I think it will be a little more focused on the actual action and the adventure. Yeah, and it's also, yeah. I think the trailer showed the return of the dungeons, like there were in uh, Pikmin 2, yeah. and those definitely emphasize more pure action rather than strategizing within a time limit, uh, so I think that assessment's probably on the nose, like that is, that seems to be the direction they're going in. Yeah, exactly, because when you are in, in the dungeon, the time is not passing, so it's that moment in the game where you can play free of the, 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 the usual stress. My only <laughs> issue is that I feel in Pikmin 2, some of the, dungeon, some of the dungeons uh, were really long, and yeah. when you enter the dungeon, you're kind of stuck in there, so you have to go to the end, so I hope that they fix some of those issues that I had with, the, with 2, even though I really like the concept of the dungeons. 
Yeah, I hope th- it strikes a better balance because, like you said, two was just basically all dungeons yes. all the time. Yeah. If this game mixes around the overworld with the dungeon crawling a bit more and just has a bit more of an even split, I think it'll be much better. Yeah, now, when you guys page. are talking about the dungeons here, are you guys talking about at the end of the trailer where the thing has the glowing red eyes and the no. music, it's all brawl? No, um, it's actually no. the cave. <laughs> when you are inside the cave. Ah, yeah, so there's okay. underground segments no, underground, where yes. you go down like a vent um, and you end up in these generally multi-floor caverns where, like Louise said, you don't have a time limit. It's basically just get through each floor. So find the exit and uh, gather whatever treasures you might need along the way. Uh, yeah. And those were introduced in Pikmin 2. They're not in Pikmin 1 or 3. And that's gotcha. basically what the focus of Pikmin 2 was, was just going through a whole bunch of different dungeons. Well, I will say that this trailer absolutely made me more interested in the franchise to the point where I made sure, knowing that the eShop is closing soon, <laughs> that I went and I picked up Pik- Pikmin 1 and 2 so that I could nice. see what this franchise is all about, hopefully before Pikmin 4 comes out, because this game just looks so charming it absolutely just like oozes that Nintendo charm, you know. And hey, and um, hey, Nick, uh, just to give you a good uh, about Pikmin, those games are not very long, so I think you yeah. can play them yes. easily from beginning to end. <laughs> I yeah, that is always appreciated in this day and age with so many games that are a hundred hours. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to doing that at some point. Right. One thing, um, one last thing I did want to bring up uh, because you mentioned at the end of the trailer things with the red eyes. I think it's super cool that we're finally getting to see what happens at night in yeah. the Pikmin world. Um, so in case right, because you, you always have know, to go back to your ship, right? Yes. The idea is that you have a yeah. strict time limit because uh, when it shifts to nighttime, all the creatures on the planet get hyper aggressive, and any Pikmin leave behind just die. Like it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's just a yeah, yeah. It's it's just awful. Um, but we never actually seen what nighttime is like until this trailer so now we're finally going to be able to explore that portion of the game that was kind of just left to imagination before then expanding the lore yep yeah no that's interesting yeah i I do remember hearing about that i did notice i don't think pikmin 3 really had did pikmin 3 not really have a timer i know the first two games Uh, it did did it did but it was a little less strict okay yeah, I, it was more of our, of our survival stuff because you had to keep getting uh, resources to keep being uh, to keep you alive. But every day uh, okay. you have a well, because I noticed when I was watching this, I noticed in this trailer that there really isn't anything on the screen. Like, there's no timer, there's no HUD, yeah. there's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just the game, which I love seeing that. It's but it's probably stunning. they are maybe... hiding the UI because it's a trailer. Yeah, but maybe. Who knows? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, we will see. Uh, yeah, Pikmin 4 comes out July 21st, so that's really exciting. Uh, everyone, uh, go tell Arlo congratulations. I'm sure he's uh, <laughs> he's very excited as well. His reaction was uh, the, the first uh, thing that I went to look after the direct. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, he's, he's hilarious. Um, the other thing that we saw and finally got to see more of was Advance Wars. Uh, which kind of fell off the radar uh, last year. It was originally supposed to come out last spring, and then uh, Nintendo delayed it because of world events, specifically, I think, in relation to everything going on in Ukraine right now. They just didn't feel like it was the right time to release that game. Um, But now we know that it is still coming, and it is coming out soon, uh, April 21st. 
And this is kind of a, a remake slash reimagining of the first two Advance Wars games uh, with a very different art style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know <laughs> if there's much to say about these remakes at this point because we've been waiting for them for years. It's just nice that, hey, we finally know when it's releasing. God forbid it doesn't get delayed again. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I was worried I, I can't the game imagine. would actually disappear, yeah. so I'm happy to see it back. Yeah, it's just yeah. nice to have. No, it, I'm glad it's not releasing, because there was some rumor that popped up a, f- a couple of weeks ago that it was going to get shadow dropped, kind of like I what ended that. up happening to yeah. Prime, funnily enough. Um, uh-huh. And thankfully, no, because God knows there's enough things to be playing in February. Um, so an April yes. release date is nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, solid month before Breath of the Wild. I'm like, I think I can maybe squeeze, squeeze this one in and yeah. uh, check it out, so... Yeah, I'm excited for that one for sure. Um, we got a new trailer for Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, which is right around the corner, um, coming out in February, just a week or two away, really, um, depending on when you're listening to this. And a lot of stuff that we've seen before, but the new thing that they showed off, and uh, there's a preview up on the site as well if you want to hear more about it, is they're adding in a playable story epilogue to this very old Wii game that lets you play as Magalore. And um, it kind of sounds like it's almost like a Metroidvania in that you have to... You don't have any abilities at the start, but you have to explore and unlock new abilities to kind of progress. But you can do it in any order. I'm like, this sounds fairly substantial. And I want to know why. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Well, uh, yeah. My, my Probably my favorite thing from the Switch era is the, when Nintendo sports in a game and they decide to add a whole new campaign. Like we saw mm-hmm. with Bowser's Fury, like we saw with yeah. Definitive Edition. So to see that the, they are continuing to do that with other franchises, I think it's the best way to motivate someone that already played the game to buy it again. Yeah, it adds a lot of new value. And I think it also oh, makes totally. sense in the for Kirby specifically because a lot of the recent games have had some form of epilogue to them. I think going back to Triple Deluxe, uh, that had an epilogue with uh, playing as uh, DDD, I think. Plant Robot had something similar playing as Med Knight. Star Allies got one in an update. Uh, and Forgotten Land started with an epilogue that you could play. Um, it had mm. one at launch, I should say. So adding one in kind of makes sense if this is just the general direction they're going with the Kirby franchise. And I think, like Louis said, it's also a very good way of trying to draw people in, along with the new minigame modes and whatnot. It, it's a good addition, and it's also something that probably isn't as hard to develop for, because um, Magalore, being a playable character in Star Allies, already had a moveset they could base off of. Which right. seems to be, like, that's what you're building up to. You start off with a very depowered Magalore and build up to the absolute, the monster that he's in Star Allies. <laughs> he is insane in that game, and I assume that's kind of, like, the end point. Yeah, it's a cool a lot idea. Of... It's, I'm just surprised at how substantial it seems. You know, because a lot of times I feel like, like, not always, but sometimes when Nintendo adds in new features, like, I remember hearing with Pikmin 3 Deluxe, like, yeah, they included all the DLC from the Wii version, but other than, like, a few short side stories, there wasn't a ton of substantial stuff. It was yeah, mostly it was quality of life bones. improvements. Our yeah. stuff like P-Shad um, on your Super Mario Bros. U is usually very small. 
-hmm. Right, right. Um, so yeah, it's nice that there's something more substantial. And I am curious about some of the new minigames they're adding in. Um, they look fun, honestly. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. a reason to buy the game for a lot of folks, but it looks cool. Yeah, one of them is in the demo that uh, we could try out, and it's pretty fun. I'm looking forward to seeing what else you can do. And in general, it should also be said, the presentation of the game is just amazing. It's so cute. It looks so pretty. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I really, at first I wasn't really sold on kind of the cell-shaded borders around the characters, um, but the more I see of it, the less I'm like, you know, I, I think I think I could enjoy this. I'm like, I, yeah. it, it's not like bad or anything, it's just different. Yeah, I like it personally. I think it works, but yeah. And yeah. it's funny because I think it's less noticeable because the art style is really cartoonish. But I think this yeah. is a, also a proper remaster. Like, a lot of the assets are being remade. A lot of the, the characters are, of course, the whole game is in HD. A lot of the textures have changed. So it is a, a proper upgrade compared to the one on the Wii, which already looked fine, to be honest. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you guys. Um, all right, I think it's about time we talk about uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom before people start <laughs> rioting in the streets. Um, so, yeah, this was the last thing, actually, that we saw in the Direct. Um, some folks were expecting, I think, actually, you know, myself, too, we were all expecting, I think, a big blowout of this game, because it comes out in May, and there's a pretty decent likelihood that this might be the last Direct we get before the game comes out. Uh, maybe not, but, yeah, Nintendo gave us, instead what they gave us was a very tight, very moody, very dramatic two-minute trailer that... Definitely had a lot of, you know, little details hidden in it mm -hmm. to, to poke around and try and analyze, but it seemed the main thing they were trying to do was just kind of share more about the game's tone and the themes and maybe kind of hint at where the story is going. Right. Um, I, I, you know, have been interested in this game for a long time, as I think many folks have, and this trailer, I think, was just what I wanted. Like, tell me more about what I can look forward to, but don't spoil too much. You know. Right. See, I, I feel like I'm on the other end. I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not. Um, I'm still very much looking forward to the game. I'm very excited and I will be picking it up day one. But these trailers don't... They're not hitting the right notes for me. They're good and I like seeing new mechanics. But compared to, say, the one Breath of the Wild trailer they released at, I think it was E3. I think Louise did analysis of it on uh, the channel at one point. Yeah where it's just like this huge bombastic performance where you're seeing all these different aspects of the world, all this gameplay, all the story. It has like this beautiful pacing to it. These just aren't doing you're that. you the one for like the, the Switch presentation? Like the reveal um, for the Switch? The one before that. The one that came late. For the... uh, was oh, it before? Okay. I thought okay. it was after. Oh no, you're right. It would have been before. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. These just aren't doing it. They're not getting me... Like, <laughs> as an example, the Xenoblade 3 trailer got me hyped. I was very excited to the point that I was not paying attention to basically any of the announcements that were happening <laughs> afterwards. This trailer got me excited, but in a kind of like, oh, this is neat. I'm looking forward to this kind of way. There's not... Yes. I don't feel like they're showing enough here or framing it in a way that makes me just get super, super excited for the game. And I think they're saving that for probably a game-specific direct... I would I imagine we'll probably yeah. get, like, a Zelda Tears of the Kingdom Direct in, like, April or March. Um, but so far, it just kind of... This trailer is just... It was paced the same way as the previous one. 
Uh, and I, I hope that it wouldn't be and that they would be showing off a little bit more. That's just my personal taste, though. Yeah. No, I, that's I, understandable. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I have some similar uh, feelings about the trailer. Uh, you mentioned the, the trailer for Breath of the Wild. I think one of the bigger differences here is that, is that those trailers for Tears of Kinders, they are very disjointed. Like, they show stuff, but they don't give you the context. They don't give you enough mm -hmm. to actually understand what is different about this game. So a lot of the time you have to uh, try to take something from what is actually very little that they are showing. Uh, we have a lot of still scenes in the, in the beginning of the trailer. At the end, we even have uh, some three seconds of a black screen. So they are <laughs> purposefully not showing a lot. And I don't know if this is a genius idea or if... Because a lot of people will buy Zelda because it's Zelda. Nintendo doesn't need to sell Zelda to a lot of people. But also there's tons of people mm -hmm. who play Breath of the Wild and they want to know how this game differs from Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And when they see the same map on the trailer, the same gameplay mechanics, they, they are a little uh, asking themselves why this game took five years to be developed. Why? What is the, the, the hook here? How it mm -hmm. differentiates itself from Breath of the Wild? And I'm, I'm positive that this game has a lot of stuff to show, but Nintendo... Is purposefully trying to not show. Uh, my bet is that we are going to see a, a specific direct because they have to announce the the special Switch OLED model that leaked. Yeah. So I think that probably be <laughs> yeah. on the yeah. on the on the direct, and I think then they will give you the option uh, if you want to get some spoilers you want this direct because usually those specific directs are, are full of some spoilers, and if you want to preserve your experience this is the last trailer for you. And then mm -hmm. you go buy the game blind. And I think that's that's a, a nice way to see it because it gives the option to both people. Because I want to be excited and I want to see a, a hype trailer like the the one in the Switch presentation for Breath of the Wild. Yeah, right. No, that's, right. that's fair. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I... It's great to know that the game is still coming out when it is. No more delays, <laughs> it seems like. Yeah. It's still scheduled for, for May. The game so is that's probably good. ready, I, I think, at this point. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, yeah, it, it seems that way. Um, worth noting that this is Nintendo's first $70 game. Yeah. Uh, it is their first, you know... I mean, I guess that's not necessarily... I mean, games have, you know, I'm sure in the past, like... If you were to go back and look at the entire history of Nintendo, I'm sure they've had games that cost more, but... Um, but yeah, this is, you know, it, it, they're following the current industry trend of increasing the price of some of their games. Now, they were quick to say that this is not going to be across the board for every upcoming Nintendo game. Thank that they're going to be pricing games <laughs> on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, but it is interesting. It's uh, interesting that this is the first game that they decided to charge $70 for. Just... Just to give you guys some perspective, uh, this this was actually international. So in Brazil, the new price is also uh, above the original six dollars that they used to mm -hmm. to cost, which was already mm. a lot. So yeah. in particular here in Brazil, this this news faced a lot of backlash because mm -hmm. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is confirmed to not come in Brazilian Portuguese. So like for us, yeah. it feels like they are asking for more and they are not even giving us the possibility to play in our language, you know? So it feels, right. uh, it feels like a really steep price to pay at this moment. Um, of course, this is a, a regional perspective seen from an international point of view. I think this was expected because video games have costed uh, $6 for a long time now. 
And of course, this was not the case in Brazil because inflation and a lot of that. But I know that they base the price from uh, United States. So, yeah, it's a bummer, but I, I can see why this is happening. Right. I do think one thing to be pointing out with a price increase is that you can still get this with a game voucher at no additional cost. I would definitely do that. Yeah. With, yeah. Because at that point, rather yeah. than saving 10 bucks, you're saving 20 on a game because the, it's still just right. the voucher, which also makes me think this might be why they, in, they reintroduced the system when they did. Yeah. Is true. if they're going to have more varied pricing structure, you can kind of, they can compensate for that with the voucher system and also incentivize people to be picking up the games digitally, which is what they want to, you know, not yeah. encourage the mm -hmm. resale market. Yeah, the discount is technically yeah. bigger if you're uh, getting Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom with this method. Yeah. Yep, that was how I uh, decided to finally bite the bullet and <laughs> end up pre-ordering it. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, they also showed off a collector's edition uh, and an amiibo. I yeah, think the collector's edition is already thoughts. sold out. <laughs> <laughs> I have thoughts on the collector's edition. It's, okay, please. It's... <laughs> So it comes with, what is it? It's a steel book, a steel poster, four pins, and an art book, right? Yeah, pretty standard. It's $130. It's almost double the price of the game. Yeah, but see, Nicholas, the thing you're forgetting is it's it's Zelda. So right, you but know, like, can charge whatever they want. It doesn't it. even come with like a statue like the original did. Like, what is making, yeah, what it's is weird, giving the right? price increase here? Like well, the, the, the statue like is, is the amiibo, Nicholas. You're supposed to buy the amiibo. That's <laughs> you how you get the statue. get the amiibo in it, though. <laughs> uh, well, it's yeah, just what, do you think they're a charity? Me. They're not going <laughs> to... Yeah, well, well, it's just okay. weird to me because I would have jumped on that immediately. Uh, even if I'm not, like, you know... <laughs> the consumer in me is, like, even if I'm not super interested in, like, getting a pin or a steel book or steel poster, I want to have it to collect it. But at 130 mm. bucks, that is steep. Like, oh, the Xenoblade yeah. 3 one was uh, 90, and it had the steel book, it had the art book. I, is, the, is it just the steel poster and the pins that are bumping up the price that much? It's so, it's just so bizarre to me. Just uh, yeah. a question, well, is this being sold You're not a true in... collector, though, Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> is this being sold in, like, all stars, or is, like, a Nintendo Stars thing it's again. not no thank oh, god okay. it's not oh, okay okay <laughs> <laughs> no i think the xenoblade one is very much just because they had the all the problems where they had to ship the thing separately oh yeah true true i remember um, yeah i t please never do that again unless you, <laughs> you actually fix your store and have an actual good pre-order policy in place um mm, like yeah. a queue system or something but regardless <laughs> it's just it's just weird that it's costing 60 extra bucks to me i don't really understand it yeah, no, I'm kind of with you. I generally don't buy a lot of collector's editions, kind of for that reason. I'm like, that's a whole other game right there, you know? But Yeah, like, that is so um, much. It's like the, yeah. I mean, side note, it's like the Octopath Traveler 2 Special Edition, which is like 180 bucks. Like, that's great, wow. but man, <laughs> I could buy three Octopath Traveler 2s at that price. <laughs> there you go. It's basic math, folks. Um, yeah, well, all that said... Uh, lots to be excited about with Tears yes. of the Kingdom. And yeah, we will be talking about it when it comes out. Absolutely. Um, real quick, uh, we got another trailer for Bayonetta Origins, Cereza and the Lost Demon. Um, nothing really super big to report. Just, I think the game looks great. Um, yep. I like seeing more of that art style. It almost it reminds me a lot of like Okami, 
you know? It's definitely mm-hmm. got similar uh, aesthetic sensibilities, I'd say. And, uh, yeah, that game is still coming out pretty soon, uh, March 17th. So, yeah. Um, I think... yeah, I'm curious to see how that one does. Same. I, I really, I'm glad we got to see the first real, like, this is what the gameplay is going to be like. I still feel like uh-huh. I need a better understanding of the structure, so I might hold off on the game for a little bit. Uh, I get the impression it might be, like, a dungeon structure, like a Zelda game, because in some of the... There was a previews for the game that released, uh, I think, last week that mentioned uh-huh. going through the first dungeon. So I guess that could be how it's structured, like a loose overworld and then separate dungeons you go into, which would be interesting. I know yeah, there's... it seems to be puzzle-heavy. Yeah, they showed that you unlock different abilities for... Uh, I think mostly for Cheshire. Like, they, they showed him near the end of the trailer, like, growing vines or, like, uh, squ- like I think, shooting out water or using himself uh-huh. as a shield. So it might be Zelda-like in terms of, like, going into different dungeons to unlock different abilities, which would basically be, like, your items and using those to progress, which I would be into. <laughs> in that way, it would also be Okami-like. So, and I love Okami. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm. It's it's just such a unique game. I I'm, I wasn't really, you know, when I first saw this and I saw the sixty dollar price tag, I was like, this is either much more substantial than it looks, or this is a Nintendo doing Nintendo kind of thing. Yeah, yeah um, it's too experimental I, for me the, to jump on that right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think a, a lot of folks are going to want to wait and see reviews and be like, all right, what exactly is this? I mean, we have a better sense of it now, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a lot to ask, especially with, I think, Bayonetta 3 coming out not too long ago and just all the other stuff coming out right now. But, but yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about DLC. We got quite a bit of DLC news in this Direct. And, uh, Nicholas, you mentioned Xenoblade Chronicles 3 earlier. I know you're excited. <laughs> Why? Are you, what are you excited about? Um, well, first of all, I have to say... Hearing the words roguelike used in relation to Xenoblade Chronicles 3 gave me the most <laughs> mental whiplash I've had in, like, months. Yeah. Yeah, what was up with that? Um, that was a great... It sounds a, yeah, like a great idea. Yeah, it's gameplay mode. It's great. I love it. It's just not something I ever would have expected. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's. I mean, where else do you go with it? I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm sure there's going to be some great story content coming in. But yeah, I mean for folks that just want more Xenoblade all the time, it's perfect. I mean, give them a mode with that type of structure, you know? It's a really cool idea. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I mean, in general, just, you know, the new, the content that's coming out, um, I guess this week, by the time this podcast goes up, it's it's going to be a bit more content to, to delve into. I was hoping we would get details on, like, them adding new difficulty modes, because those were data mined around launch. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case. I don't know if they've just cut the idea of introducing other difficulty modes or whatnot, but regardless of that, this is mm. still new content. It's fun. I really like the roguelike mode. I'm very interested in testing that out because that's going to be a very different way of tackling fights where before you could rely on, like, just your huge party decimating things if you spec them a certain way. And here you're going to uh-huh. have to play a lot more on the fly, um, just kind of figuring out what you can do with what you're given, which I think will be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. That being said, that was not the main focus of the trailer. I mean, technically it was, but it's not the thing that everyone focused on. Um, yeah, I know you're looking forward to that last uh, story yeah, we'll see so, coming, huh? So, Louise, what the hell? 
I, I like they showed us. I think it was I don't know ten seconds of the it was most twenty seconds of footage. It was the most mind blowing footage that they could show us in that amount of time. <laughs> it, they broke the Xenoblade community in twenty seconds. I was I was caught completely off guard because I was, uh-huh. I was okay. They're going to show volume three, and that's it. And I mean that <laughs> opening shot. The opening yeah. shot is him in the air with like what. What? <laughs> no, that's that that that's that's insane. And it's uh, great. For for I mean, non-Xenoblade people, this is amazing. <laughs> yes, please um, explain. Think, okay. <laughs> in a way, think of like this is Spider this is the latest Spider-Man movie when Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield yeah. showed up. Exactly. Like, exactly. It, it's ah, that yeah, energy. The same level. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, yeah, because I'm hearing everyone like like being all excited about this, and I'm like, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm glad everyone else is excited. This <laughs> yes. must be some cool throwback reference kind of situation. Yeah. So Yeah. You know. And we see like a glimpse of a new area. The character at the end is um I don't know how much I, how I can word this without giving spoilers, but it's one of the founders, which is yeah, super think, exciting because yeah. it gives us a time scale of when this is going to be. I mean, after after the the initial shock, I think the the most uh, logical conclusion is that all those characters are some of the founders because right. they can more well, or less link them to the statues. Yeah. Well, the first two aren't. Those are the mentors. Oh, I see. If I you see, remember, I see. okay. If okay, you remember okay, the yeah. Uh, but yeah. we have another founder that's confirmed, so we might just get founder origin story, and they'll be party members. Although I still have a suspicion that Noah is going to be a party member because of uh, the Veiled Sword being on the thumbnail for the DLC. Oh, God. that's something we're going to have to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the only thing that this confirms is basically that this will be a prequel. But even yes, okay, I oh, think. Yes. And also, like, the, it's this is finally addressing so many of the things that Xenoblade Three was left just kind of just threw out there and yeah. didn't do anything with. And it's also something that I don't know if I had mentioned when we had recorded discussions. One of the theories I had had is that uh, the director made the base game pretty friend, like <laughs> newcomer friendly, like true, in, true, intentionally true. did not introduce many uh, spoilery elements or elements that referenced story beats of the previous games so that it would be something newcomers could just jump in and play and not have to worry and then he would put all of the spoiler like super heavy connection stuff into yeah. the dlc and that's not the something fact... i was sure would happen this is exactly what is happening the fact that we are seeing i'm going i'm, I'm going to call him a everyone knows who yes a is. <laughs> the fact that we are seeing a here just showed that we are going to get a lot of answers Right. About Plus, all it's like, the stuff that we did not have answers. It, it might actually be console A, which was the missing letter. Like, yeah, it makes, oh it my makes God. total sense. It makes total sense. <laughs> oh, it's so exciting. And it was only 20 seconds. And we're probably going to get new, new footage like in the summer or something. Uh, uh, oh, I'm super excited for that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's going that's going to be well, awesome. That stole the show I'm for me. Excited more for so than you. Zelda did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes, I, I don't really know what any of the things you just said meant, but I'm I'm excited for the Xenoblade community, and I hope to someday be excited in the same way about Xenoblade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very fun. You guys are so excited playing playing the first game that things will start to connect. That was what that was what you were saying, Nicholas. I think. Earlier. Well, I think depending on what they show, because this is showing, um, this is showing elements of the first game, um, and if if you had just played the first game and not second or third, you might not 
quite understand how those elements connect. You'll be hyped and confused. Mm, okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but right. I think as they show more of the of this DLC expansion, um, I, if they show certain other aspects, that might become far more spoilery. Where even with less context, you might start putting things together in a way that you're not supposed to, uh, assuming that you mm. haven't played like two or three yet. Um, Interesting. But we'll see. Also, I I know this is an expansion pass, like, story DLC. I want this to be 60 hours. I want it to be 80 hours. (laughs) I want it to be 120 hours. Oh, please. careful what you wish for. Give me a 200-hour expansion pass story. Oh, yeah. I I, I can understand you there. But I think it will be along the lines of Torna. Maybe maybe a little bit more. But, yeah, I can see why. (laughs) I'm expecting 40 hours at most. Um, That would be awesome. I think 30 hours is already a lot. I think, like, 40 hours for completion at most is probably what they would be aiming for. I would imagine this is going to be a little bit longer than Torna because it feels like they probably have more to show off and more to go over. Um, but we'll have to see. I, I really... And I think... I want this to be substantive. <laughs> and I think ultimately... Well, Nicholas, let's be honest. Was... Even if it is... Even if it is only, like, a 40-hour... Only a 40-hour... <laughs> it's a... Even if it's just, like, a 20-minute movie, I would take it. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's a 40-hour story, you're still gonna find a way to make it 80 hours, let's be honest. <laughs> True. <laughs> Guilty as charged. All right, we should move on because we still have a lot to get through. Uh, I'm going to kind of try and quickly get through the rest of this DLC. Um, So, no, I don't want to get through this one too quickly, but the Splatoon 3 expansion pass. We knew there was some paid content coming to Splatoon 3. Now we kind of have a better sense of what that's actually going to look like. Uh, So there's two waves of content. The first wave, and I don't really understand why they're doing this, but it's interesting... (laughs) Uh, they're bringing back Inkopolis, the hub world from the first Splatoon, and uh, you can just go there, I guess. <laughs> they, they basically said, you know, you can go in all the shops, but it's going to be the same stuff you could buy at the shops in the main hub, And but yeah. the Squid Sisters are performing there, so that's cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it seems a little random. but it, it's, it's definitely something where I think it's going to get some people very excited for nostalgia reasons. But uh-huh. from a pure content, like, gameplay perspective, it's not adding anything new. <laughs> it's yeah. just right. basically a cosmetic reskin, which I'm kind of... Again, it's neat, like you said, but I don't... It's not something that I'm going to jump on. <laughs> yeah, it's hard right. to see Unless the actual value. they're not telling us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, but uh, the more substantial thing is that they're adding a new side story to the game that they're calling Side Order. Mm-hmm. And it's got a very interesting aesthetic. It's all black and white, and we didn't see a lot of it, but it's it's very moody, and it's implying that there's some trippy story lore stuff going on. Yeah, there's um, <laughs> it's been a lot of theorizing <laughs> in the community regarding that. Um, like, brainwashing, going back in time... Uh, Nuclear Fallout, I think, was one of them. <laughs> Based on, like, some of the, you know, average Nintendo game stuff. Um, sure, yeah. It's yeah. baseline Nintendo yeah. absurdity, for sure. So, there's a lot yeah. going on there. Uh, and that's something that I think is definitely far more interesting to me and to probably a lot of people. One thing that's yes. kind of interesting, and this is completely unconfirmed, but when they were showing off the DLC waves, uh, there were, like, four little tabs 
uh, each a different color, and the first wave was the color of the first tab, and the side order was the color of the third. So that's made some people theorize that there's going to be two more waves of content, uh, possibly Ooh. one that adds in the Splatoon 2 hub, and then the fourth one that adds in another story, uh, which is hmm. interesting. I don't know if it would be part of this expansion pass, because it would be weird to advertise it as being only two waves of content when they actually have four. That wouldn't make much right. sense. <laughs> Uh, but it almost makes me wonder if they're planning on having a second one after this one concludes. Like, pay an additional 25 bucks to have this other content. I don't know. It's it's possible. I'm sure they want this game to have a long life if they can. So, yeah, um, yeah I could see it happening. But, but yeah, as it is right now, it's we don't have a ton of info about what this new side story is. But it's certainly got people's minds racing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and... Hey, and speaking of racing, uh, <laughs> we got another look at the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass, a wave four of tracks we now know is coming sometime this spring. Uh, they showed off an entirely new course. Uh, it's a Yoshi's Island course, not to be confused with the existing Yoshi courses. <laughs> this is a totally new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the, the even bigger surprise uh, on top of this course, which looks like a lot of fun, is they're adding in a new character. Uh, they're adding in Birdo. She's back. <laughs> After yep. all these years. Yeah. It's, I, I'm, I'm just super happy that they are adding characters. I, I, was, I think it was such a missed opportunity to not do that right now. Mm-hmm. It does make sense. It's just yeah. so funny the direction this is taking, right? <laughs> like, first it was, oh, here's a... We're, you know, five, five years in, here's a whole bunch of like new courses... Then and they're all returning courses. Then it's like, oh, also there's some new courses among the returning courses. Also now uh-huh. we're also getting returning characters. <laughs> like it's like yo, it's like there's no plan. They are they're, developing. Yeah, as they're moving goals. the goalposts, but towards us. <laughs> yeah, which nice. is great. Nice. At this because point, I was start super depressed at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, this so is great. You, you the new were... track looks like fun. Uh, getting characters is fantastic. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a shame that we don't have a release date for this yet, but Mm -hmm. regardless, it's just, it's the same thing that I think they did with the last, um, the last wave of DLC where we just got a little preview of it beforehand, because I think there were a lot of complaints with the second wave where they just did not show anything for months until we were a week away from the content dropping. And I think they probably recognized like, yeah, people did not like that. So now they're just making sure that, Hey, we want you to know this still exists. It's going to be dropping at some time. Here's a preview of what's happening. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's it's coming, and yeah, we know it'll be here in the next few months. But yeah, I actually don't mind kind of the, you know... I know that when it comes out, like, it's they'll give us, like, a week or two notice, and yep. I'll be able to be like, all right, well, I'll just pop in and check out the new <laughs> courses, and I've been really enjoying doing that so far, personally. Yeah. Um, and the last little piece of... Well, not little piece, but the last DLC they showed off was the expansion pass for Fire Emblem Engage. And this one, I personally don't have too much to say about it other than they're adding in some new emblems. Um, so, you know, new new characters that have their own missions attached to it. Um, mm-hmm. Which, again, I feel kind of weird about because that's kind of the whole premise of the whole game, you know? Is that, like, you're getting these emblems, but it's weird that they're just... they're making some of them as DLC, but most of them are already in the game. I don't know. It's just a little bit strange to me. It doesn't feel super, like, substantial. 
they are adding a new uh, story in uh, Wave 4 they talked about. Um, it's a Xenolog story. Um, I don't, we don't really know anything about it. It's a ways away, um, is kind of what they were implying, but yeah, more Fire Emblem. <laughs> yep. I mean, I'm I sure know, for because... people that have played Engage, this is probably nice to just have a little bit of extra content. I'm with you on the emblems. That seems like a very small addition, <laughs> all things considered. You get like a new map to obtain them, but the emblems themselves don't, I don't feel like they would add much mechanically, I guess. <laughs> Maybe that's just right. having not played the game. Additional that's options impression. in combat, right? Yeah. Right. It's just, I don't know. It seems a little to odd to me, from. but yeah. it's still neat. It's neat to have regular content. Um, and like you said, I also think probably the DLC story is what most people have their eyes on. That's probably what people are really right. looking forward to. Yeah, I think uh, right. generally uh, Nintendo is really on the game with expansion pass, né? Like they are totally in love with it right now. Almost every game that releases has an expansion pass or even games that are already released a long time ago. So uh, I, I always buy for the big stuff that comes at the end. And I feel that sometimes it's it's a little hard to justify with the the initial mm -hmm. volumes that they are releasing. A lot of the time, I feel that's not enough content. Um, in the past, with for example, I remember the expansion pass for Breath of the Wild, and I think both uh, volumes were pretty great. They had tons of stuff. So it just feels that with some of those, I think Splatoon 3 is probably the worst for me. But it feels like. It's just uh, something to chew before the story stuff actually comes out. Right, yeah. Yeah, it does kind of feel like sometimes they're just trying to check boxes. You know, being like, all right, well, every game has to have some kind of paid DLC now. So, you know, let's come up with something. Oh, new characters, <laughs> I guess, you know, that's that's enough, you know. And I don't know, I'm not trying to say like, like there's no work or thought put into it, but... Yeah, when every game has an expansion pass and they all are kind of following this kind of similar model, I don't know. That's how it feels to me a little bit yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, all right, well, let's talk... Believe it or not, we have not talked about any <laughs> third-party games yet <laughs> in this Direct. And there's stuff worth talking about. Um, I actually want to start with talking about something that totally came out of the blue for me. Um... Level five is back, baby. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, like what a surprise. Um, so for those who aren't super looped in, level five is the developer probably best known for uh, Professor Layton and for Yokai Watch. I'd say those are kind of their big, the big things that most people know them for. And they were here in the Western market for a long time, but it was a few years ago that they basically said, we're leaving the Western market we're not going to be releasing games to Western markets anymore. We're going to be focusing on the Japanese market. And that was sad news for a lot of folks because we, you know, we're like, shoot, we're never going to get Yokai Watch 4. That's <laughs> never coming over. Um, still no word on that. But, you know, folks were like, oh, we're never going to see more Professor Layton. Well, this Direct, man, it was exciting. Uh, Level 5 announced a couple games. Um, they announced a new Professor Layton game, for one. They announced a new Fantasy Life game, which I don't think was on anyone's bingo card. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they announced a brand new IP uh, called Deca Police. So, yeah, they're coming back in a big way. Yep. It's definitely exciting. It's Even if there's not a 
particular interest in the games announced here, which I think, you know, there's enough things here that will probably grab most people's attention. Just the fact that they are willing to be releasing games in the West again is exciting. Yes. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I was watching the direct and when Decapolis appeared, I was like, oh, this, this is super interesting. And there was like a specific shot where he was like pointing his finger to the screen. And I was like, okay, this is very Professor Layton. Could you imagine <laughs> if this is a level five game? And then by the end, Decapolis appeared in level five at the top. I was like completely, because it looks like such a, not a super budget game, but in a budget that level five would not work nowadays. Mm -hmm. So it looks like right. a big JRPG and stuff like that. So, and then after that, when Professor Layton appeared, I think the message was pretty clear that level five was back. And like Professor Layton is my favorite series from there. I love the ones on the 3DS. I played some of the ones on the DS and I just wanted to see a, uh, I was expecting, to be honest, a Professor Layton collection. So to see a new game is is fantastic. It's like something that I wasn't even expecting at this point. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, I've, I've played a couple Layton games over the years, mostly back in the DS days. Um, and so yeah, it's really cool to see that one come back. We don't really know anything about the new Professor Layton game. It's called uh, Professor Layton in the World of Steam. The new World of Steam. Uh, but it doesn't have a release window yet. <laughs> But we know uh, Fantasy Life, uh, that game is called Fantasy Life I. I don't know what the I stands for. For But uh, Fantasy Life I, the, the girl who, steers, who steals time. What did you say, Nicholas? <laughs> I said for iPhones, clearly. Oh, obviously. Yeah. Sponsored by <laughs> Apple. Um, yeah, that's really cool because Fantasy Life as a franchise has basically been dead since the 3DS days. And um, it's a great time for it. I mean, it's it's a farm. We're in farming sim fever right now. And, um, yeah, fantasy life has always been kind of unique in that you know all the different jobs you can have and the overall ambition of it is I think different than a lot of the farming sim games. So, see, so yeah, that's cool. And then yeah, Deca Police, Louise, I'm with you. This this was awesome. It in a way, I mean, it's hard not to compare like the overall like premise to something like astral chain where you're a detective and you're going through yeah. and fighting <laughs> stuff and but the art style is totally different and it looks a little more mystery focused and i'm sold on this one man this looks cool yeah i want to see more of the actually the actual rpg mechanics but the setting is very interesting yeah yeah at first that's i remember true. When when he when he first appeared, I was thinking that it was the the game from the Dragarompa creator. I think it's Code. <laughs> yeah. So I was a little confused, but then I noticed it was a, a different game, and I was okay. Now it's two games to be excited about, so that's great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Lots of cool stuff. Um, beyond level five, we got a lot of kind of interesting, I think, throwbacks to games and genres uh, that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, one of the first games from the third parties that we saw in this direct was Samba de Amigo Party Central, which, again, I don't think on anyone's bingo card, a new Samba de Amigo game in 2023. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's, 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 it's always funny when I see this game because the title is totally in Portuguese, so it always feels weird to hear people saying <laughs> Samba de Amigo, <laughs> which is basically Samba of a friend. And the funniest thing is that the game does not actually place Brazilian samba. I think it's more of a <laughs> from other Latin oh, yeah. countries. 
or not even that, it's like pop songs and stuff. Like yeah. it's like, it's a total mismatch. It's just like a rhythm game where you just with maracas as the premise. Yeah, basically. I think, I think Sega yeah. uh, probably But they have sombreros, that isn't that samba, enough? So, no, <laughs> sombrero has nothing to do with samba. <laughs> what about monkeys? It's, it's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's wonderful. Uh, but they they one hundred percent need to release uh, little plastic maracas that we can yes. slot our joy content to. <laughs> oh, that's I mean, awesome. it's just it's essential. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they did that. I mean, I know that was kind of the whole gimmick of the original game. I can't remember they put out a Wii version of Samba Day. Yeah, Mario, and I can't in uh, two thousand seven, I think, and that did have maracas yeah. accessories. So, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, it was the Wii. Yeah, of course, it did. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Why I shouldn't have even asked. I should have just known, honestly. Um, so yeah, that was random but exciting. Um, we also got a game that is going to appeal to all the folks who love style savvy, which is Nintendo's kind of fashion-forward franchise. Um, there's a new game coming, being published by Exceed, called Fashion Dreamer which looks like it's kind of trying to echo style savvy in a little bit. Um, seems different in that it doesn't look like you're, like, running a store. Um, it seems the premise that they were talking about it was, you're an influencer, and you have to, you know, come up with you're a fashion YouTuber. for the people on the streets. Yeah. It's a more modern approach. <laughs> I can uh, definitely see it. <laughs> it's interesting. It looked um, like you were able to actually make your own clothes in it, which is not a feature that... I mean, I'm not exactly deep into the the fashion game meta, but I don't think that's sure, a feature I've sure. seen in many games before, like actually being able to craft your own clothes and wear those. Yeah, it seems fairly detailed. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... There's definitely a pretty big audience of folks who will be excited about that, for sure. Yeah, I'll probably wait um, for reviews on this one, because I really want to see the gameplay out. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people will enjoy this game. Yeah, there's, pro- yeah, there's yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, an audience for that on the Switch. Totally, yeah. Um, all right, now we got to talk about some of these throwbacks um, that are coming. We're, we're getting some... Old- What's old is new again on Nintendo <laughs> Switch uh, was also a big theme in this Direct. So, first of all, we're getting a port of Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, which was one of Capcom's most unique games on the Nintendo DS. Um, this is this was a big surprise. I don't know why this is coming now, um, but it's it's cool. I mean, you, there's not, not really a great way to play this game. Yeah. It's between... Go on, Nicholas. Yeah, I'm. This is a game. Uh, I think it's made by the director of the first Ace Attorney, uh, Shu Takumi. It's such a cool original little title that Capcom put out that is so hard to find on the DS nowadays. I think it got like an iOS port, uh, just a mobile port that yes. I played a little bit, like over half a dozen years ago, because <laughs> they had a short demo you could play the game, and I had heard how good the game was and how original and unique it was. And it's so much fun, but I've never been able to actually finish it. Because <laughs> back then, I never actually finished the demo because I didn't have the income to just be spending on random mobile games. Oh, um, sure. <laughs> but now, it's actually on Switch. Uh, assuming it doesn't have... I'm hoping it won't come at a huge price point. Like, I would go up to 30 I wouldn't want to pay 40 for this, necessarily. But, yeah. regardless, it's a way to experience the game again. And... 
uh, it's such a unique and interesting and just fun experience. A different kind of like puzzle narrative experience. And I hope that this could lead into uh, just some interest surging up for this style of game. <laughs> I mean, we haven't gotten a new Ace Attorney in years, so if they're just going to make a Ghost Trick 2, that I'd be fine with that as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't really see a lot... This game was just, it was just one of those weird experimental DS games that we we just don't see a lot of games in this style anymore. And yeah. yeah, you're right. It, it was It's pretty widely regarded as a classic puzzle game on the DS, and so yeah, to see it come back and made it accessible is awesome. Yeah, um, I, yeah no, I'm with you, Nicholas. I, I actually also played a little bit of the iOS, iOS version, but I never <laughs> finished it. So yeah, this is my chance to redeem myself. Nice. I also, I also, I, everyone that talks about this game say that it is awesome. So I always wanted to play this, but I just wanted to mention that between this and Professor Layton, Adrian Odyssey, Advance Wars, I'm just happy to see that the Switch truly is the Nintendo portable console. Because mm -hmm. we are receiving all these games from the 3DS era, for the DS era, and uh -huh. uh, looking at all of them in the direct is just awesome to see. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think I think the Switch is going to go down in history as just having one of the most varied libraries of any Nintendo console. I mean, it's you are we're at the point now where whether you're looking for classics or you're looking for new games, you know, even first-person shooters and stuff like everything pretty much is going to be on here in some way, shape, or form. So it's it's really cool to see. Um, you mentioned Etrian Odyssey, Louise, and yeah, that was another, I think, really exciting thing. Um, Etrian Odyssey is getting three of its games remastered for the Switch in what they're calling the Etrian Odyssey Origins Collection. And that's exciting because Etrian Odyssey hasn't had any release at all since the 3DS. And um, it shows that, at the very least, there's still interest in the franchise um, from Atlas. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, this is a pretty pricey package, I will say. So each of these games are selling for $40 individually. You can get all three of them together for $80, uh, which I think is a little bit higher than I would expect. But these are all also massive, massive games. Um, so yeah, it's... If, if you want some Etrian Odyssey, you're going to have about <laughs> easily 150 hours worth of content if you pick up this trilogy. Yeah. I think they also mentioned in a press release um, that they were developing a new Etrian Odyssey, like an original title. Um, and this is kind of just a precursor, I guess, of that. You know, they figured out, hey, this is the method we want to have to have this specific user interface work on the system. And we're just kind of throwing it out there and seeing how people react. And I imagine they'll probably influence the development of a potential future game. Yeah, yeah, no, and it makes sense because these games have always just been synonymous with, you know, you're using the touchscreen to draw your maps and you can turn on auto mapping in this new version, which I think will be helpful for a lot of folks. But, you know, for the folks who actually like drawing their own maps, I'm not sure if it's going to be mm -hmm. quite the was, ideal way to play. That was definitely but the one hesitance of like, these games were designed... <laughs> like they were so intrinsically tied to the DS and 3DS's dual screen design um, that just porting them over, I imagine, can't be easy. And even with them being ported right. over, I don't know if these will technically be the ideal way to play it. I imagine quite a few people might still prefer to play the original DS ones just for that experience of actually hand drawing the map with a stylus on the bottom screen. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, but regardless, it's nice to see yes. again that there's thing, still yeah. interest in the franchise, and yeah, totally. Yeah, and uh, I um, hope this is maybe a sign that we'll see more Atlas RPGs from the 3DS in the future because I think Atlas had an amazing output on the 3DS with like stuff like I think it's so ha- so hacker it's called. I think it's Shin Megami Tensei 4. Yeah. Uh, there were tons of JRPGs that Atlas released on the 3DS and that I think they would be nice to see on the Switch. You know what would make a lot of sense uh, at this point would be releasing the, what were the name the uh, Persona Q games on the Switch. Oh yeah. Because yeah, now we also. actually have Persona game like mainline Persona true. games we can play on Switch. So it's not like we're just this throwing random spin-offs with characters we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no that's a great point. Yeah, I could see them maybe bundling those games together at some point. Um... So another, just again, these games just keep on coming. Um, another very exciting left field remaster that I know has had a Brian, uh, the owner of the site, super excited, was uh, Baten Kaitos. Oh my gosh, what a throwback. Uh, Baten Kaitos 1 and 2, which are GameCube era RPGs that have a kind of unique card-based combat system. From Monolith. Um, <laughs> Yeah, from Monolith. Yeah, uh, these games are coming to the Switch, which yeah. is just wild. I am excited. I, I've never played these games. Um, they're Monolith Soft games, so I'm going to play them. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's now that really that's it. it. Like, <laughs> that's basically the way I'm thinking. But I'm also I'm also willing to question Bandai Namco why we are receiving this and we are not Xenosaga. About Xenosaga. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, that is weird. <laughs> Oh man, it's yeah, the perfect the, moment the, to release Zeno Saga with Xenoblade being so successful and all that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. But I'm happy for everyone who likes <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize these were monolith, monolith soft games actually mm-hmm. until people started talking yeah. about it. Um, yeah, they are not. Really uh, they are not from Tetsuya Takahashi, the director of the Xenoblade series, but they are from Monolith Soft. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's I I don't really know much about these games, but you know the GameCube didn't have a ton of RPGs, and these were definitely some of the standout RPGs on that platform. So I'm hoping at some point I'll be able to check them out. But these are also huge time sinks, yeah. so yeah, yeah, you're gonna want to clear your <laughs> um, schedule for these too. I also think because if uh, if you recall correctly, there was a a like a, a job listing for Bandai Namco for uh, a Nintendo remaster they were working on. I wonder if this is what that was. Oh. Mm, is this a Bandai Namco game? Oh, you're right. Yeah, it it's is. being developed but by is them. This, uh, this remaster is uh, exclusive for Nintendo? I believe so. As far so. as I'm aware, yeah. I haven't seen uh, it popping yeah. up on any of the other storefronts. At Which, least. I mean, yeah, I think it makes very sense because wasn't, weren't the original Bot and Kaito's GameCube exclusives? I think it was. Yes. Yes, I believe they were. Um, yeah. No, yeah, it's it's super cool. It's another piece of history that's being preserved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think a lot of folks associate these games. I don't think they're Nintendo IP, but it kind of feels no. like it because of just how tightly people associate it with the GameCube. So Yeah, I think it was originally um, uh, published by Namco, which is probably why they're working on this. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I think that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, one other kind of old game coming back um, that <laughs> has had our new video team in particular very excited. Uh, a couple years ago, we got a remaster of Katamari Damacy, the original game called Katamari Damacy Reroll, uh, which, by the way, is getting a trial via Switch Online starting February 20th. Uh, but in this direct, they announced that We Love Katamari, which is one of the sequels of the game. I'm not sure if it was the second Katamari game, but um, but yeah, that game is also getting a remaster on the Switch. Uh, and the full name, I, I gotta be correct here, is called <laughs> We Love Katamari Reroll Plus Royal Reverie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. My understanding is that similar to what uh, Nintendo's been doing with adding extra content to re-releases, the Royal Reverie is new content regarding... Uh, I think the king of all cosmos as a child and you play as him, I think. So basically this is the Bowser's Fury of Katamari Damacy. It is the saying. Bowser's Fury of Katamari Damacy. Re- <laughs> <laughs> that, that's very exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a ton of familiarity with this franchise. I did play a little bit of Katamari Damacy Reroll when it came out, but I... I I can't remember, I think I played a demo for the Switch version, and I, I had problems with that demo. Like, it just, it didn't seem to work right for me. I like, had a The controls experience. just were quirky. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm going to give it another try uh, with the trial that's coming out, and yeah. this I mean, this game is absurd, so, you know, <laughs> if you just want the most bonkers, you know, early 2000s gaming experience you can have, I don't think you can really yeah. beat this. Yeah. Um... So we've been talking a lot about old games and stuff coming back. We did get a few uh, brand new stuff. So the standout kind of indie that was shown off that was brand new uh, is called Harmony the Fall of Reverie. And this one is notable, I think, partially because it's published by Don't Nod, which is the studio behind Life is Strange. And they've released some other games over the years. Um, It's actually amazing to me how much that studio is putting out. I mean, on top of all the Life is Strange games, they put out that kind of, the name escapes me right now, but it was kind of like a crime mystery thriller um, a couple years ago. And then they also put out um, the, uh, oh gosh, all their game (laughs) names are escaping me right now. But they've put out a few projects and they're working on another like very next gen medieval fantasy game. but yeah, this one looks really cool. This one seems like a bit of a smaller, more bite-sized um, experience. And um, we don't really know too much about it, but we know there's an element of you're visiting some of the characters that you meet in the real world in your dreams, and that there's a lot of branching story paths. They show off a flow chart in the trailer, so you already know if that's <laughs> that's the type of game that appeals to you. Um, yeah, I'm intrigued by this one. I love the art style, and I I love Don't Nod's games. Yeah, it looks good. I'm still a little confused what exactly the gameplay consists of, um, because for the most part, it seems like a visual novel-style game. Uh, the game is listed as adventure and strategy on Nintendo's website, though, so I don't know, hmm. but it seems interesting. I like the art style they're using, and the uh, the story has a neat hook. Yeah. Yeah, most of their games have some level of, like, adventure element. So I would be surprised if it was a straight visual novel. Um, but yeah, it, it looks really intriguing, and I'm interested to see more of it. Um, 
This one I'm not super excited about. Uh, it's called Omega Strikers. It's a free-to-play um, top-down sports game. Um, it's a multiplayer-focused game. It's also coming to Switch and uh, it's coming to Switch, PC, and mobile. Um, nothing in this one really jumped out at me personally. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, it's just there's so many games like this on the market. It's hard for anything new to come in and actually distinguish itself in a meaningful way. Because it's not like this looks bad. It's just there are so many other things that basically look just like this, but with a different sport or with a different number of players or what have you. Yeah, right. you can kind of feel what the type of the game it is, what a type of game it is. Yeah. Right. Which, again, yeah, like, nothing against this type of game, but I think just with how much great stuff is in this Direct, I think this one was... It's going to kind of be overlooked, I think, by a lot of folks. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe if it was, like, a Shadow Drop, that would be something worth trying out because it is free, so, you know, excitement from the Direct could have people trying it out. But with it coming out, what, in late April? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know there's going to be much lingering excitement for it. Yeah, no, that's I'm I'm with you on that. Um, well, we did get one other kind of sports game shown off, and this one is actually a little bit notable. So uh, this we we really just saw a glimpse of it in the sizzle reel at the end of the direct. Uh, but uh, Konami has a baseball franchise that has really only ever been in Japan called WBSC E Baseball, and. Um, it's it's just never come over to the West for some reason. But these games are really popular over there. They it's I think it's an annual franchise. Right. Um, it's well, you know some of them have in the like... past. They haven't in oh, okay. quite a while. But I know there was at least one game, one Power Pros game on the Wii that came out. Oh, uh, okay. That came out stateside. It's been a long time though. It has been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this was uh, so they're releasing. It came out the same day as the Direct, and it's called WBSCE Baseball Power Pros. And what's really interesting about this is this is a 99-cent game. And it sounds like <laughs> it is basically just, you know, online multiplayer baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe some local modes, but there's not really, like, a full, like, campaign mode or anything. Um, but even still, like, I mean, the game looks pretty pretty fun and for 99 cents i was like yeah i'll i'll pick yeah. this up why not i wonder what the rationale is for pricing at 99 cents as opposed to just it being free to play yeah because <laughs> I, would, I would imagine if it's that low price they have some in-game monetization i would assume uh and at that point i don't know if having people shell out one extra dollar would necessarily help it <laughs> It feels like public I, I service just to make the... Yeah, <laughs> like, like uh, on principle, we don't give away our game for free. Puts it one cent. Like, you know, I, don't know. I haven't so heard silly. anything about in-game transactions with this game. They might be in there, but I haven't, I haven't right. heard anything about it. I mean, if it's not, um, then that's just... It's cheap baseball game you can try. Why not? Well, what they said in a, in a press release was they kind of wanted to test the waters and see if this game could reach a more global audience, and that mm. this is kind of their way of, of doing that. Um, and I guess, I think it kind of makes sense. I'm like, if folks won't buy this for 99 cents, will they buy a $60 <laughs> game? You know? Right. Um, yeah. So I could kind of see it. 
I, I'm excited to try it at some point. I I like sports games more than I like actually watching sports, and uh, baseball <laughs> I feel is, is a bit underrepresented. So yeah, we didn't yeah. get Mario Sluggers. All the rumors we, were we wrong. Did not. <laughs> Nor did we get baseball and Wii Sports or not <laughs> Wii Sports, uh, Nintendo Switch Sports. <laughs> what do you think still, that game doesn't have enough content? That. It got golf. Come on. That's that's a great point, Nicholas. I I hate to offend anyone. Yep. Um all right. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. I if it sounds like we're losing steam, I apologize. It's just, <laughs> it's so many games. It it is truly shocking how much they can pack into a 40-minute direct. Um so we saw plenty more third-party games. Most of what we saw uh, that we haven't talked about yet were release date updates, basically. Um, so we, we got a new trailer for Master Detective Archives, Rain Code. Uh, that game finally has a release date locked down uh, for June 30th. Um, I think this one still looks great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the more we see of it, I'm like, yes, please, I want to play this. <laughs> um, by the creators of Danganronpa, I think is what yeah. has a lot of folks interested in, in yeah. this one, for sure. Yep. Octopath Traveler 2 also had a brief segment. I think it was just like 30 seconds. It's basically, hey, there's a demo out. You can go play it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that demo for Octopath Traveler 2, uh, they said the data transfers over to the full game. So it's basically a head start on that game if right. you're planning on picking yeah, it up. Basically, Square Enix has been doing a lot of that recently. Right. All the... Yeah. Um, I think it's the Team Asahi games, like Triangle Strategy, Bravely Default, Octopath, all have a demo that releases like a month before that you can do save data transfer. This one just mm-hmm. kind of, I find weird because instead of it being a cutoff, like a, a story or gameplay cutoff, where once you get to like the end of a chapter, it cuts you off, it's a time cutoff. So after three hours, you stop oh. playing, apparently, Ooh, which I don't get because that's not how they did it for the others, but... Oh well, <laughs> it's know, still three I, hours I, of the I, game. A, a funny yeah. one that always that I always remember is the one for Dragon Quest Eleven. Uh, the demo is like ten hours of the <laughs> game, like the first ten hours. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, that was a that was a big demo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sea of Stars, also the much hyped indie RPG, uh, also got a demo, um, so that's great, and got a release date for August 29th. I know a lot of folks are looking forward to that that RPG. So, um, so yeah, that's really cool. We also got uh, release dates for uh, Disney Illusion Island, which is the new original Disney uh, Mickey Mouse 2D platformer, which I'm actually really curious about because Disney is making games again after a long time of them not really using much of their own IP for stuff. Um, yeah. So I'm really curious to see what what they'll do with this one, personally. Um, They're also making a Tron game, which we've known about for a little while. Um, It's called Tron Identity. It's a visual novel um, made by Mark Bithell, which is just, okay, cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Tron is like at a little bit of a a comeback right now. There's a new um, Tron ride at Disney World. It's like... They're saying it's their fastest roller coaster they've ever made. Um, so I wonder if they're yeah, gearing up like for a new gearing movie. Up. Yeah, well, they have, they it kind of seems that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Is that why else would they be making this game now of all times? Um, but yeah, so that's pretty cool. And then the, the last kind of big thing that they gave an update on was the Dead Cells uh, Return to Castlevania DLC, which we now know is coming on March 6th. Um, that's going to be some pretty meaty DLC for that game, which has already had many expansion packs. So um, it's also the first kind of real big Castlevania use of that license that we've seen in quite a while. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so lots of lots of great stuff. Um, now, it's worth noting that in the Japanese Nintendo Direct, they showed off some additional announcements, um, and some of them are actually coming to the West, which is really cool. Um, I don't know why they didn't put these in the North American Direct. Maybe it was just a, a time thing, but... But yeah, there's uh, there's some bonus news coming out of the Japanese Direct. So yay, bonus news. <laughs> um, so probably the most notable thing from that is that um, Koei Tecmo and Gust, who are known for their Adelir franchise, uh, which is definitely, it seems like even beyond an annual franchise at this point, um, we're getting Adelir Rise of 3 really soon, but we're also getting a remake of the very first ever Adelir game uh, called Adelir Marie. And they are remaking that game. It'll be the first time that that game uh, is coming to Western Shores. Hmm. Um, so it's a really cool little project. It also has kind of a different style than some of the other Adelir games. Um, Adelir Riza and most of their RPGs are played out very much as like a traditional third-person RPG. This one takes a little bit more of a top-down approach, and it actually kind of reminds me a little bit of the Link's Awakening um, remake that we got in terms yeah, of like it's... it looks very cute. Yeah. Yeah, I've never played an Adelir game, and um, I feel like this one could be a really great place to start. So I'm, I'm really excited for this one. I like these little bite-sized RPGs that we get sometimes. <laughs> you know, yeah. a little, little bit smaller in scale. <laughs> um, and then the other kind of Western-focused announcement that we got from this Japanese Direct was a new Square Enix game, of all things. Uh, who would have predicted a, a new Square Enix announcement for the Switch? <laughs> that never happens. Uh, so yeah, this is a cool project. This is called... Paranorma Sites, The Seven Mysteries of Hanjo, and it is a horror adventure visual novel game. Um, supposedly, it's got a lot of just... I, I was reading a little bit about it, and apparently it is just going to have twist and turn after twist and turn is something that they are very keen to advertise. Um, it's just... I, we don't really know too much about it other than that, but I do enjoy a good experimental visual novel from time to time. Yep. It's a nice little horror game. It's also kind of nice. Square Enix has been putting out a lot of different games on Switch, just in terms of genres, and I don't know if they've really put out many horror games, so this is kind of them carving a new path. They like to experiment yeah, that's with the Switch, point. right? Yeah. yeah, last year, their uh, their big experiment was... I reviewed it for the site. It was um, an FMV game called The Centennial Case. Mm -hmm. And uh, I right. really enjoyed that. So, I mean, when they do experiment, they do tend to release things that are usually at least good. Maybe not to everyone's taste, but um, 
good little experiments here and there. And that is the direct, folks. <laughs> we we spent uh, almost twice as long talking about the direct as the actual <laughs> direct was. <laughs> oh man. Well, do you guys have any cl any closing thoughts on all that? Would like what what closing emotions were you guys feeling when that showcase was over? Now that we've had time to digest the whole thing. I think I was still trying to <laughs> to just get back to normal from the high of Xenoblade 3. Um, <laughs> no, it was good. I think it was a good presentation. I don't think, compared to the last Direct we had, this didn't have, like, farming simulator overkill. <laughs> there was a bit more variety in terms of yeah. what we got. Uh, it was a lot of stuff that we were already... That we had already kind of known or were aware of. There weren't too many big surprises here. I think Samba de Amiga was probably the biggest one that and professor layton um but no this From was fun this was solid you mean I, it kind of makes me wonder all the games they announced are releasing in the summer or by july at the latest and so we don't we don't have a holiday title yet so i'm very curious what that's going to to end up being because i figure they're mm. going to want some big thing to sell people during the holiday we don't know what it is yet Right. Yeah. Well, and with all what we talked about last week with how Nintendo might might not be at E3, you know, it, it does leave a lot of questions up in the air as to what their plans are. Mm -hmm. um, I but yeah, uh, I agree with Nicholas. I think it was a very solid presentation. Uh, I think I think the the best thing, and this is something that compared to the last one, I think was way better, is that we saw a lot of solid stuff, stuff that is coming in the next months, mm -hmm. stuff that is out after the direct. So it just feels like it was a very real direct with stuff that we'll be able to to enjoy uh, in in the immediate in the in the next months. So. I think in general the best thing was to see the gameplay, to see like Pikmin 4. The last time we basically just saw a teaser, but now we actually had a trailer explaining how the game works. Even the trailer for Zelda was a little bit longer. So in general, I just liked how this this was a very a very solid presentation with what they showed was stuff that was actually real and it's coming out uh, in the next months. Yeah, no, no vague uh, 2024 release yeah. windows, <laughs> at least not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, you know, the moment they showed off Metroid Prime Remastered, I was like, yeah, this is this is a good direct. <laughs> I don't really need anything else. <laughs> um, all right, well, it's already been a pretty long episode, so I think I'm gonna hold off on the other news. There was some other news that came this week, but. Uh, usually the week after a Nintendo Direct it tends to be a little bit slower. Um, so we'll probably talk about some of the big news this week uh, in next week's episode. Uh, but before we wrap things up, let's just kind of quickly go through what we've all been playing. Um, I, I personally, I, I already said my piece about Metroid Prime Remastered <laughs> and how much in love with that I am. In fact, I'm probably going to go play more of it as soon as we're done with this recording. Um, <laughs> But, Nicholas, what about you? What have you been playing this week? Um, so, I've been getting back into Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, which is something I was wanting to be doing a couple of weeks ago, and I finally did. And it's been a lot of fun just kind of experiencing all the content I'd missed out on and getting back into the swing of things. I think I was probably a little bit burnt out on Monster Hunter when uh, Sunbreak originally came out. Um, but here, I just it's I'm just throwing myself into it, and that's loads of fun. Uh, otherwise, I did try a couple of the demos that popped up. 
Uh, I downloaded the Octopath, Kirby, and Sea of Stars one, and I haven't gone to the Octopath demo quite yet. I'm still planning to, but I have played through the Kirby and Sea of Stars ones, and those are both great. Uh, the Kirby one's relatively short, but it's just kind of nice to see a bit more of the art style of the game and what they're kind of offering. And then Sea of Stars uh, was a game that actually was not um, super, super excited for. I was interested in it, and I was interested in seeing more of it, but it wasn't like an insta-buy or anything. Uh, and now that I've sure, tried it, it sure. it's become an insta-buy. <laughs> it's a really good really? game. Really? It's a really... Yeah. The art style is great. It looks far better in motion than it does in the still images. It's animated very well. The music's fun. The writing is very witty and entertaining. Uh, the general battle system and the way the game seems structured is very enjoyable. I really like the different options you have in battle. Um, it feels like a, a mix of Chrono Trigger and um, just a more traditional RPG with some Octopath slash Bravely Default elements because there's this sort of boost system where you can increase the damage of your attacks and you can also break enemies by using specific, specific types of attacks like an Octopath. So it's a bunch of, it's a mix of all these different RPG systems with a kind of uh, a veneer of like old SNES era RPG. It all blends together Ooh. really, really well. Oh, that's, that's nice yeah. to hear. No, that, that does sound interesting. I, I think, you know, yeah, like as, as beautiful as the game looks, I, when I first saw Sea of Stars, I was like, this looks cool, and I'm sure it'll be solid, but I'm not really seeing anything that is making this stand out to me in other departments beyond just like the visuals. Mm -hmm. You know, and we just we get so many RPGs that I'm just like, this looks cool, but I don't know when or if I'll really get around to it. But hearing you talk about it with that level of praise, that has me definitely more excited for it for sure. Yeah, um, uh, I'm glad that there's some more substantial meat on those bones. You know. What did you think about the the soundtrack from what you heard? Uh, the soundtrack is good. There's only one uh, Yasunori Mitsuda track in the demo, and it's not actually... Oh, I see. It's kind of funny because uh, it's not actually in any er of the areas you can access in the demo, but what they do is on the overworld map, you can go up to the border of the area where the track plays, and there'll be like a little text box <laughs> that says like, hey, you can't go into this area yet, but here's the music by Yasunori Mitsuda if you want to hear it. <laughs> And you just like okay, stay on the edge of the oh, area and listen to it. So. They break the fourth wall. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they know what people want. <laughs> we know what the people want. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But otherwise, just yeah. in general, the soundtrack is solid. Um, right. I, right. I don't. I have to listen to it individually without the gameplay just to be able to analyze it a bit more. But it was good. Um, I liked it. And um, again, it's got Mitsuda as a guest composer, so I really want to hear more of his tracks in the. Uh, the main game as well. Nice. And the Kirby demo, what exactly does that encompass in terms of content? Right. It's honestly really small. There isn't like a save, uh, a save transfer or anything. What it is, is you have access to the new minigame mode, the uh, Mary Magoland. And there's two minigames you can play through that. Uh, one returning one, which is the Ninja Star throwing one. And one new game, which is the... Um, the like basically tank shooter, where you just have to... You have a gun and you have to lob shots or shoot directly at people and take down their health. Um, so those two are oh, available okay. for up to four players. And you can also unlock, I think, like four masks to put on your characters, which are like the little, basically the unlockables you get from that new minigame mode. 
and then in actual levels, there are three levels, a boss and then an EX boss, which is basically just that same boss, but with the harder moveset. Gotcha. Okay, so enough to get a taste, but yeah. nothing It's not crazy. substantial. Yeah. Uh, you would probably be done with it. You'd easily be done with it in an hour. Um, but, you know, like, like you said, it's a little yeah. taste. Just if you want, if you're curious what the sense. art style yeah. is or how it feels on the Switch, this is the way to try it out. Yeah. Well, that game is right around the corner, too. So folks don't have to wait long to have all their questions answered for sure. We're, we're hoping to review it over on the side as well. So, um, so yeah, if you want to learn more about that game, stay tuned for that. Uh, Louise, what about you, man? What have you been playing? Um, actually, I can't talk about the game that I'm playing right now because it's an embargo. Mm. Uh, I have a friend uh, okay. who has a website in Brazil, and I asked this game in particular because I really wanted to play it. Uh, I will just say uh, in very broad terms that it's an interesting experience because I don't know if you guys ever played a game like that, but the game is not very polished. The game has a lot of questionable decisions in the level design, but even so, I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're it's, playing a it's Pokemon a game. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a tricky Oof. game to review uh, to find a, a, a final uh, verdict for a game like that. But it's also a very interesting game to write about. So maybe in, I think in the next episode or in the next after that, I'll be able to review which game it is. Uh, but beyond that, mm. I think I played a little bit of Fire Emblem Engage because I bought the game. But sadly, I did, I'm not very far on it. I think I'm on chapter five, which is very early. Um, the only thing that I can say is that I love the soundtrack. I love the graphics. It's... Uh, it's a, a, a step. It's, it's way better than Three Houses. That's what I want to say. It's, it's, it looks very, very nice. On the mm -hmm. Switch, it's super colorful. So it's art style that really catches me. But uh, so far, all the battles that I faced were pretty easy because I'm still at the, the start of the game. So I'm still getting used to it. I don't have a lot to talk about the, exper the experience in general, but I look forward to, to enjoying this game a lot. Yeah, it's always hard this time of year. Like, I feel like everyone's attention is divided. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so hard to be able to just, like, sit down and focus on one game. Like, True. Like, I've been really just wanting to dig into the Metroid Prime remaster, and I have been, but I have so many other games, too, that I, I picked up recently and that, or that I'm trying to get through before something else comes out, mm -hmm. and so it's, it's like, yeah. yeah. So I totally feel your pain, Louise, if, oh, I've only been <laughs> able to put in X amount of hours. <laughs> it's a challenge. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, that is our episode for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in and celebrating the Nintendo Direct with us. Um, if you like what you hear, please spread the word. Tell your friends. We are on all the streaming platforms, everything from Spotify to YouTube to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And we're really trying to get new folks to listen to our show. So please spread the word and tell your friends. And beyond that, we will be back at you next week with everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. See you guys later.